Hey there, welcome to Simply Real Estate, right here on News Talk 1010. Wow, you know, um, can't believe we're almost through all of June. Big day tomorrow. Have you decided, hey Toronto, have you decided who's going to be the next mayor? Well, you know what, this part of our show, we call it the Real Estate Talk Triangle. Uh, every single month we do this, I do have my guests in the studio with me. Uh, joining me as usual will be Tim Sirianos. Uh, Tim is the broker owner of... Remax Ultimate even getting bigger, and we'll get Tim to uh, you know give us a little bit of a feedback on that. Also, Tim is a former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, as well as a former director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. And of course, on the other side of the coin, we've got Dave Butler. He is my mortgage go-to guy, always one of the top brokers uh, in Canada, as usual, is going to be joining us. And so I'm really excited about this month's Real Estate Talk Triangle. It's going to be really exciting. You know, we've got a lot to dive into. You know, I'm pretty sure everybody's getting a little upset with the Bank of Canada. I know I am. And of course, you'll hear the odd rant on Instagram, the Simple Investor One. You want to make sure you follow me. And uh, again, a shout out to the agents who would like to be featured here on the show. You know what? We're going to be featuring our next one. But you know what? Get in the lineup. If you want to be featured here on the show in studio with me, you know, you talk about how professional you are, what you do to sell somebody's home, then make sure you DM us on Instagram, the simple investor one. And by the way, we just started a new referral program. What? Yep, you got it. If you happen to know a uh, person that wants to become a real estate investor, well, you can actually go to the simpleinvestor.com. Click on the form, fill it out, put your name, your, your contact so we can reach out to you and give us the name of somebody that you think would like to be a simple investor. And there is a referral fee out there for you. And we're really excited about this new program. It is happening on our phase six of our London release. It is one building. We're really excited about it. And so uh, you don't want to miss out on that opportunity. It's huge and it's going to be very, very exciting. So, um, so again, we're talking about the market. You know what? Instead of me babbling on as I typically do every single week, let's get the guys in on the triangle. Hey, Dave. Hey, Tim. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having us again. Awesome to be here, as always. I look forward to these, man. So do I. <laughs> I can't believe it's a month already. It's, they go quick. They go quick, right? Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's funny because it's like you almost want, you know, you want to get a list of everything that's happened during the month, but then... Like it was literally three weeks ago, something happened. And you kind of go, okay, but that was three weeks ago. What's happening today? Like Tim, you know, that's the one thing that we've noticed about the real estate market. Everybody's measuring it by the day, not the week or the month. Well, I mean, it was last month that we were here and you asked me that same question. I said, we had an entire month of May. Each week was a different market, right? <laughs> and here we are, you know, after uh, we left, uh, the Bank of Canada announced what they did. And just as we were having that extra momentum and a little bit more balance, a little bit more continuity, a little bit more moderation and, you know, knowing what to expect, they just give you the left hook right to the gut. I, not the face. I think it's the gut. Maybe the face will be next month. I'll let uh, Dave <laughs> talk about that one. And, uh, you know, what we saw was a combination of, uh, people taken by surprise, uh, and as well as people wondering what's next. And then you have the seasonal expectation of slowdown where people are starting to look at the summer months and saying, okay, wait a minute here. Maybe we should, you know, wait until July or August before we put our home on the market and make a move. So what, what's happened now is you're actually seeing a little bit of supply increase slightly or sorry, not, maybe not increase, but supply not leaving the marketplace. It's still on the market. We are still seeing some hot pockets, 
But we're also seeing a lot of people wondering, you know, maybe we should just, you know, hold our horses here and, and wait a month or two, which is going to tighten supply again and push that spring down yep. and see what happens in a couple of months. Yeah. You know, um, Dave, Tim brings up some interesting points uh, about the surprise in the um, in the interest rate increase. You know, you know, I've already talked about it, but maybe you can tell us, you know, looking forward, there's there's some sketchy stuff coming our way and we got to figure out how everybody's going to navigate this. <laughs> we, got, we got a wild three and a half weeks coming up. I mean, obviously on top of tomorrow with, with the Toronto mayor uh, results and voting. But um, yeah, I mean, look, very next day, Tuesday, we got Canadian CPI coming out. It is, you know, consensus is it's supposed to be a good print in our favor for coming down mm. and also for the next print. So what we're actually getting is we're getting the May inflation stats coming out. And as we talked about before, this month, for some reason in June, the stats are being released at the end of the month. Normally, as we all know, it's usually middle of the month. So we've got this interesting scenario here where in the next three and a half weeks, we have a lot of data coming our way. Tuesday, CPI for May, mm. recent June, July 18th. CPI comes out again. So within literally, I think it's counted at 23 days, we have two CPI prints coming out. And in between that, July 12th, Bank of Canada meeting where we were talking before the show, obviously the three of us, and that, you know, it, it, it does seem like the Bank of Canada, if what we believe is true about why they did the raise in June, it would definitely make sense for them to do another quarter point in July if that's the reason they did it, which we all know was, I think, take some of the wind out of the sails of the housing market because the worst thing in the world for TIFF and the Bank of Canada is rising house prices while interest rates are rising. Well, you know, in the U.S. Fed, though, um, they paused right? yeah. in, in June. And, and Dave, I mean, does that speak something? You know, like we're watching some of the other, you know, obviously uh, banks uh, throughout the world, they've been raising. But why why would the U.S. Fed pause when the Bank of Canada decides to put the pedal in the metal? Well, interestingly enough, U.S., I believe, doesn't, care at all about what we're doing and i think in sadly we <laughs> sit there and care what they're doing and i think tiff tried to get ahead of them in a sense because remember tiff started the rate decreases if we remember right uh ahead of powell over the u.s the, Powell was behind but powell didn't do the old pauser for a couple meetings and then backtrack and increase powell stayed pretty constant in his you know declaration that he was fighting inflation and that he wasn't going to just give in to certain other things that he had a mission. Whereas here in Canada, it was, we're fighting inflation. All right, we think we're good to pause. Two meetings pause. All of a sudden we get a lackluster CPI print from that April print that was released in May and right away they're raising a quarter. To me, that just shows someone that isn't looking at the forward data because those type of movements don't make sense. And then now your dollar was not in lockstep. Now you're bringing back. It's just, it, to me, it seems a mess. It all seems a mess. And I don't really see the rhyme or reason of what he's doing. So both Tim and Dave, and Dave, you can touch on this and Tim, you can react to it. But so if people are right now thinking of buying, um, maybe they should be locking in a rate just to, to avoid that potential quarter point increase. Can we, can they still get a lock yeah, we've been, for, so for 90, 120 days? It's crazy, but we have literally been, I've done more pre-approval rate locks than I think I've done in my, my history of doing mortgages. And not only that. What's happening is because you go and you lock in a rate, we can lock in a rate for up to 120 days for most times for a client. This is the first time where most times the first pre-approval is going over, meaning we have to re-lock. You know, normally Tim, like we, I do a pre-approval 120 days. They'd be in and already bought a house within 30 days, 60 days, and it's closing, done, done deal. Now the clients are coming back to us after 120 days. Hey, I didn't end up buying anything. Great. Let's re-lock your rate. Or we're coming back to them being like, hey, your rate locks up. We got to re-lock you. 
Yeah, it's definitely happening that way. I mean, we've seen you know part of the, the people coming back into the market was because it had a rate lock, yes. and they wanted to get into the marketplace, right? So a lot of the conversation that we're having right now is where interest rates going to be, and you know what, how should will that impact our housing decision? And before I comment on that, I want to ask you a question, sure. right? If it's okay with yeah. Don, yeah, I want to ask you. I want to. I mean, host. I mean, are you watching? Are you watching? Because you know we have some insight here uh, based on more transactions that we're seeing already, right? From the other the combination of the merger that we'll talk about is what is a decision? Is it one year now or is it two years now uh, or people are, are more so looking at locking in at? Well, you know, it's funny. I will tell you this. The three year has become a favorite and I think it's not because strategically it's a favorite. It's because the number looked good. You basically could get almost the same rate for a three-year as some of the banks were offering for a five-year. No one really wants to be in a longer term. Um, so they're a lot of times going because they like the number. But to me, it still kind of goes against the strategy. Now, if some people are saying, look, I'm taking a three because I truly believe it's going to take three years for this to all figure itself out. Fine. That's a solid, solid way and reason to do so. But I still believe that we want to be in something short-term and flexible. I still think that is the right move. But we will know, I believe, over these next couple months, what the direction is for at least medium-term rates coming up. So it's interesting you said that because a lot of the buyers that we're working with and we're presenting, you know, in the marketplace right now, our realtors are saying that they're choosing a one-year rate. You know, they want to, it might be, you know, a 0.10 or 0.15 more than a three-year rate, but they're willing to, you know, look at history. Uh, and when I say history, you know, we believe that, and I have a saying that I've shared with my team over and over again, that fear is the most incompetent teacher, right? <laughs> and you know you don't learn anything from fear. It's actually quite the opposite, right? So if you look at where we were and where things may be going, you know you're looking at they promised you no rate increases and they did ten, right? Yep. Now they're saying this is the new landscape. We're going to have higher interest rates. Well, why would you believe them, right? So maybe it's time to look at the one year rate, you know, and then by that time, and then at the worst case scenario, you're reevaluating in a year from now. That's been our, we, one year has been like, that's, it's crazy because we've been literally recommending one years pretty much since last August or September. We were probably a little early to the party, but the one year seems to be something that, you know, cause you can renew it every year. So that's something that's to me, that offers a great amount of flexibility, right? But it does seem sadly, there was a time there for a little bit there when, but when the rates were kind of sitting in the, there was a 499, we were seeing that three year, it, People were literally saying, nope, I'm not taking the 575 or the 599 one year. I want the three year. And again, against strategy, going more for the number, which we all know if you put that thing in the window and it looks really nice, sometimes you're going to get people to buy it. You know what I mean? Sure. So, yeah. And I think, I think in some people's case, especially if they are approaching it more from an investor standpoint, they're looking at the cash flow. Absolutely. Right. And that's one of those narratives that, you know, out right now they're saying 50% of all investor condominium owned properties are in negative cash flow. And I was going to say, yeah, no, duh. Like, of course, Toronto, Toronto, Toronto's always going to have negative cash flow for some of these condos. Yep. But, but the reality is, is that, you know, people have to take a look, a hard look at their numbers. And, you know, that's one of the things that obviously we got to keep our eye on. Uh, speaking of keeping our eye on, it's like we're running out of time on this segment, but uh, guys, we'll definitely be back um, with more. I've got Tim Sirianos in the hot seat with me as well as Dave Butler, as we do this every single month, it's called the Real Estate Talk Triangle right here on News Talk 1010. And uh, if you're not following me on Instagram, make sure you do it, The Simple Investor One, and we'll be right back after this. 
And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, we call this the Real Estate Talk Triangle for Simply Real Estate. We do this every single month and in studio with me, I've got Tim Sirianos. He is the broker owner of Remax Ultimate, as well as a former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board and as well a former director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. And I've got Dave Butler. That's right. You know, pretty much I would say the number one mortgage specialist that I know and uh, always great having them here on the show. And uh, so, Tim, um, huge, huge news this past week for Remax Ultimate yourself. Uh, do you want to share it with our listeners? Oh, thank you, Todd. I'd uh, love to share it. Uh, basically, after uh, been in business for 34 years, and uh, as of uh, this past week, uh, there was a merger that happened with the number one condos uh, brokerage in downtown Toronto, Remax Condos Plus. So Remax Ultimate and Remax Condos Plus are now one company. Uh, we've gone from 250 pros to just over 400. We've gone from th three locations to seven. Uh, but what's really amazing is um, the caliber of the agents that are in this uh, brokerage. Uh, Jamie Johnston uh, is the broker of record of that company. I've known him for 12 years, collaborated for 12 years. A wealth of knowledge, really sharp guy, uh, built an amazing company. Uh, I am the majority shareholder, obviously. And what's going on is uh, the intel that we have now from doubling our transactions from, you know, somewhere around four and a half, five thousand transactions to, you know, 9,000 transactions and the amount of pre-construction we're seeing, we're seeing the buyer habits, we're seeing the investor habits, we're seeing the movement downtown. So basically from the lake all the way to Eglinton, from the DVP to Humber River, uh, I'd say that we're probably, you know, the largest downtown brokerage right now. Yeah. Congratulations. Congrats, man. Very, yeah. That's, a, that's really exciting. And, um, you know, it's the diversity as well, right? Because, you know, when, when we talk about downtown, you know, yes, there's lots of condominiums that that's a big part of it, but there's also that huge residential part that you've been dealing with so much over the years. So merging right. the two together, you know, you're ba like you said, you're basically the go-to people now in the downtown core. Well, it's exciting because downtown now, um, I've always talked about Midtown and downtown and some of my stats and information came from, from the, the previous brokerage, right? But now it's all combined and, uh, you know, dealing with the, the, uh, the new condo launches, seeing the, the land that's being bought in advance, uh, of the new developments, you know, seeing the impacts of even in commercial, at least space of how many people are going back to work downtown, seeing the traffic, seeing everything else. I think this is just a, a tremendous opportunity to, um, to provide even more insight to the show, you know, if, uh, if you have me by all means, you know, but, uh, yeah, super, I mean, it's, is really exciting, uh, but really excited for the entire team and what it brings to Toronto, you know, center. Um, you know, if you know me very well, reputation matters more than anything. And, uh, you know, pro professionalism matters a great deal by my volunteerism in the industry. Right. So, uh, yeah, this is just something that, uh, ecstatic about, and I want to thank you for sharing it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I do want to put your broker owner hat on though for a minute Sure. and uh, let's, let's talk about numbers and realtors. Okay. Yes. Because right now, you know, obviously uh completely different year, 2022 Yes. and words are coming out Yes. and, they are. and you know, people are getting acknowledged for all their work. 2021 was a massive stellar year. You know, we have seen a shift and I know. I know some of our listeners are going, oh, poor, poor realtors, they're making less money. Um, you know, it's been a big shift though. It's been a really big shift. And 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 folks, you know, the interesting thing in in and Tim, you can you can definitely, you know, expand on this, but when you go from 121,000 transactions all the way back down to like 74, <laughs> that number's staggering. I mean, you know, where 
where did we lose 50,000 transactions basically? And then it's the realtors, right? Like, like they, you know, market, market contracted and everything, you know, shortened up and everybody who was, you know, cruising through making these deals, all of a sudden it's not there. Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because you're seeing this, you're seeing your top producers, you know, some of their production getting cut in half. Then you see kind of a mid producer. Now is starting to feel it. The people that came into the business, you know, had some excitement and now all of a sudden it's going backwards, you know? I hate to say it, you know, I, I, you know, obviously you don't want to see cars get repoed, but you know, there's some people that are going to fall in tough times. Well, uh, listen, this is uh, widespread across many industries. You know, people are going to start to feel, you know, the pullback of spending. It's natural. One thing before I talk about realtors or one thing that I will share is I've always uh, gone outside of the industry to find out how many people are canceling their travel, you know, plans or how many people are canceling their renos or how many people are kind of just, you know, restructuring, you know, their lives in general. And, uh, you know, it's no different, you know, you're seeing it, uh, you know, impacted, you know, throughout uh, a lot more wider spread in our business. Um, the reason why, uh, I'm, you know, very proud to associate myself with, you know, the brand and the people that I do is, um, what people don't know is the average realtor does 2.9 transactions per year. That's the average in good times. So you could imagine in bad times, right? Um, something that, you know, we have within our environment. And what we instill with our, you know, uh, education and, and mentorship and and constant improvement is we're averaging just just under fifteen, you know, transactions per year. Yep. And and why am I sharing that is because you know you're dealing with a professional, somebody who's doing this as a full time, you know, professional, you know, occupation. It's not it's not just a fly by night kind of environment, but you know, even they're feeling it, right? Like everybody's feeling it. But this is where the cream rises the crop. I always say this is where people. Uh, you know, we'll go and seek out a, a professional and, and there's a clear definition between, you know, what is a realtor and what isn't, you know, yeah. and that's a, a, you know, a very important pe thing that people need to understand. Well, and it's not just the, I was just going to say, David, because we got to flip over to <laughs> your head. Don't worry. We're not leaving you out yeah. here. You know, the mortgage, the mortgage specialists aren't doing the deals <laughs> if the realtors aren't selling the properties. Well, you know, I was going to say, I mean, it's not even just the realtors or let's say even the mortgage brokers and mortgage agents. There's also, if you're going to drop volume that much, there's less need for certain amount of deal secretaries, less of admin staff. There's less like, th there's a whole, I think it's, you know, we talk about the realtors not doing as much business or the mortgage brokers not doing as much business. Well, there's infrastructures behind them that are actually now being shifted. And one of the things that's happening that, you know, we're noticing in this is that time that you used to spend, you know, I'm sure Tim, you, time that you used to spend aggressively figuring out how to maneuver throughout your market that you're in now you're actually finding yourself spending more time dealing with office stuff and hr stuff because this is just the nature of it we when you have this type of part of the cycle this is how things go you can't just run your business with the same amount of expenses when you had double amount of volume yeah and hang on you just touched on someone's here you Dave, you couldn't be alluding that, you know, HR issues go up and there's less work. This is <laughs> you know, and this is, this is, this is one of those things that I guess a lot of, you know, business people have to go through and, and, you know, and, and both of you talked about the fact that, you know, with the work at home scenario, you know, some people are trying to get back. Some people are saying, no, we're not going to do that. And, you know, that comes down to production. And, and, and again, there's just been this massive shift. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned about some of the people that, you know, admin staff, you know, take a look at the people that are going to be doing, you know, the appraisals, uh, the, you know, the condition reports, you know, certain things, certain aspects. And Tim, you touched on it as well. You know, how many people are going out doing renovations right now? And this is where we're watching the industry, the overall economy being shifted. And, and Dave, Bank Canada, okay, like do, you know, we, we, we keep talking about inflation and how they're, they're, they're 
steadfastly into that 2%. But in the meantime, are, do they realize how much damage they are creating to the economy? You know, because the, the, the trickle-down effect, I mean, it's massive. And, and they want to control real estate. I really, truly believe that when real estate goes up, they get upset. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at, you know, their, their feelings. And sadly, I think, you know, there's there's a robotic, you know, aspect to it that they, you know, exude because a lot of them, when you talk to them, you know, we've talked to some of the bankers that have had conversations with, you know, politicians, people at Bank of Canada. It's kind of this attitude like, well, we did what we needed to do when times were tough. We've injected all this money into the system. Now it needs to figure itself out. And it's like, well, but that's, you know, that's fair. But you also publicly went and were telling people to overspend, to take advantage of what the Bank Canada was doing with that stimulus. So that's where the message to me is, uh, you know, and again, I say robotic because if you truly were a human being in the sense of you had feelings about how these things are going to affect families within your country, I feel like maybe some of those decisions or maybe some of the comments might not have been made at that time. Yeah, no. And and Tim, you know, that's good point by Dave is the fact that, you know, there's a there's the human nature of what's happening to the economy with these issues. And again, one of the biggest drivers in Canada is real estate. Well, listen, I mean, what Dave said happened in Europe in 2008, right? Where they spent all this money and then they said, we want it all back, yeah. right? And now the same thing's happening here. You know, here's all this money, make sure it stays afloat. Now we want it all back. And, uh, you know, you can't have something back that's not there anymore, right? You have to figure out a way to, to work around it. Look, every single home that's sold is a spinoff investment of $75,000 into the economy, yep. right? Yep. And now I know you're going to talk about politics today. I just know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you're looking at some, you know, policies where, you know, you're looking at a land transfer tax dependency yep. and you've gone from 121,000 sales to 74,000 sales. And at that, we're going to go to a quick break because I know Tim's ready to jump into the political ring. So folks, when we come back, we have more. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, this is Simply Real Estate right here on the iHeart Network. Um, you know, we uh, we record this at the Simple Podcast Studio and, you know, it's great. I've got my producers in-house and today in-house, we've got our triangle panelists that are with me all year long, Tim Sirianos. Broker owner at Remax Ultimate, also former uh, president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, as well as former director at the Canadian Real Estate Association, and definitely one of the premier uh, mortgage specialists in Canada. Dave Butler is in house as well. So, just before the break, Tim, we almost dove into the political arena. Ding, ding, ding. Let's take it off, Dave. You'd you'd mentioned tomorrow, big, big, big. election. You know, I don't know how many candidates are going to get what percentage, you know, um, hard for us ever to pick a winner in this, Tim, but you know, it's a tough one. Uh, they seem to want to keep real estate at the front and center. And as I've mentioned this entire time, they need to stop talking about real estate and numbers that they can't deliver. When you're hearing these promises of, you know, Toronto has not built enough affordable housing for too long. My question is, when have you built affordable housing, right? <laughs> and why are you bringing this up now? Because, you know, that's not, you know, I, again, I'm really hoping that people have, you know, really opened their eyes and ears in the past several days for tomorrow and make a decision with, you know, who they feel is best. Um, that is not delivering unfounded, undocumented, 
you know, policies or without numbers, without any rhyme or reason whatsoever. Um, they need to understand that um, uh, their decision is going to have a great impact on them. Um, and if you're only renting, uh, make no mistake, they're not going to bring in sudden rent relief. It's not possible, right? And if you're owning, uh, make no mistake that by picking the wrong candidate, if you're, you know, uh, stretched with realty taxes today, I guarantee you, you'll be, you know, way worse off with the wrong decision. You need to be very, very in tune with this decision. You know, I own the offices that my brokerages are in. Um, taxes are $67,000 for a 35 by 100 foot lot with no services, right? Um, I have a parents, you know, in life. I have my in-laws, you know, that I'm very blessed to have in life as well. And, you know, they're in their 80s now, late 70s. Going from a $6,500 realty tax to a $7,500 realty tax, where are these people going to move to? Like what pressure are you going to put on them aside from the inflationary food, gas, and everything else, right? Be careful what you're being promised. You're, the city of Toronto cannot build affordable houses. You know, we need to look at, you know, other things and not, you know, hinge all your, um, your votes on that. Yeah. And Dave, you know, Tim makes a lot of good points. You know, when we talk about, you know, even Toronto community housing, you know, um, the previous mayor was given a huge budget. Unfortunately, the end result was not nearly the numbers that they were promising to, to produce. Right. And because there's a lot of Toronto community housing and just using that as an example that, um, they, they are, they're destitute. They're, they're, you know, you, they're vacated because of the condition, but there was still infrastructure in place that they should go in, be able to renovate. And of course that just was a, a, a no starter. It just fell flat on their face. Now, when we talk about, and I always ask this question, when you've got, um, you know, a mayoral candidate turning around saying, we're going to build 25,000, you know, affordable housing. Yep. What's affordable housing? Yeah. Yeah. And especially what's affordable housing in Toronto? What's affordable housing in New York? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like it's, you know, I, you know, sadly, I think this is less of, uh, you know, it seems like from the outside, I may say with the outside, obviously I, I, this is important to me, Toronto, but I mean, Tim, you're right in the inside, but it kind of feels like a, a bad lottery to play in a weird way, this, this mayoral race, um, you know, and I mean, surprise, surprise, politicians not coming through with things that they ran on. I think sadly, you know, as we keep going on decade after decade, we're seeing the same things over and over again, and people are getting smarter, more information's out there. And, you know, these days when you're picking a politician, it's really nothing to do with what they're saying anymore. And it's more to do, in my opinion, with their track record. And you know what, you have to realize that you just made a very, very, very important point that they've been punting decisions down the line for several decades. Yep. And this is the mess that the people who've served here for a period of time need to acknowledge is that is a, you know, huge cause. And, you know, I understand people want a quick fix and I've always said this, I'm going to say it again, and this is not a political statement. It's a reality that we need to acknowledge. And that is that you need to partner with private enterprise. This cannot be a one-sided political statement of building because landlords are not all slumlords. As a matter of fact, I would challenge the city of Toronto to look in the mirror and ask themselves, are our units any better than what we're, you know, we're accusing landlords to be, right? Oh, okay. And, and, you know, in my opinion, you know, uh, that, you know, being called a slumlord, you know, yourself, yeah. you know, you gotta, you gotta take a knowledge. Why are you gonna go out and build new things when you have decrepit things already in place, right? 
you need to fix those and make sure people have the dignity to live in them and be able to live in them, right? But you need to go out and create an incentive, partner with private enterprise, you know, show them that you're you're here for a good reason, you know, for the good of housing. And it's profit is not a dirty word, you know? It's no, it's not, incentive. I mean, as a matter of fact, the federal government's already said, you know, Dave, that if you borrow, we'll become your partner. So, hey, city of Toronto, I think it's time to, you know, some things that we've said here, I think, I don't know if they're listening, you know, like the <laughs> gardener being uploaded to the province and the DVP, somebody said that they, they would do that all of a sudden. So I'm hoping that it's something that we said here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's ways to save money and there's ways to invest money and there's ways to partner with people. Yep, yep. And that's what we need to do. Yeah. And, and I'm not running for mayor. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> that was the campaign speech for, for Tim Sirianos. Oh, four more years. Yeah. Four more years. <laughs> yeah, but here, here's here's the thing. Um, you know, news out. Canada just hit over 40 million as a population. Toronto is the biggest hub for new immigration, right? We this is. we We are the hub. People don't sit there and say, hey, you know, I'm going to go to Nanatook, um, you know, because that's where I want to live. No, they always think Toronto... Everybody in Europe, Toronto, Asia, Toronto, everything, everything is Toronto. Throw in Vancouver there, but Toronto really is the mainstay hub for immigration. And, you know, with the idea that people want to commit or try to make some kind of, I'm going to call it an asinine, uh, you know, promise. When, when, when we talk about building, people have to understand the cost. And despite the fact that you can grant land from the government, it's a cost, Tim, that is is prohibitive because, you know, 25,000, somebody somebody reached out to me and said, hey, Todd, what does 25,000 units cost to build, right? And I said, well, who's building it? Yeah. And they didn't like that answer. And I, and I said, well, is it a private entity? Because if it's a private entity, you know, 25,000 could probably pull it off, decent units, decent condition, you know, like decent builds, um, you know. $7.58 billion. I said, is it government? They said, yeah, well, what if the government wants to build it? I said, yeah, 14 billion, 15 billion. Absolutely. You know, and, yeah. and, and there's our problem yeah. is that they want to make a commitment, but they don't, as you mentioned, didn't want to bring in the public, the public, the uh, private entities. So again, I, I'm, I'm a commercial uh, owner of real estate and, you know, from time to time I have to lease out premises. Guess what the, guess what the actual uh, future, you know, triple uh, A tenant asked for? Landlord inducement. Yep. And what do I ask for? Tenants work, yep. right? Yep. And we find a balance. You know, I'm the owner of the property, right? And I'm going to invest in this property for you as a tenant to come in and make it worth your while. Yep. Why can't? Why should it be any different for for um, providing housing and government? Right? The government comes and says, "I'll let you build it. This is my inducement." You know, the the land, the buildings that are downtown Toronto that are you know crown owned that could be turned into condos or or Better yet, why condos? Purpose-built rentals, right? Um, there's, there's the solutions are in front of us. But again, going back to the, the political decision that you know fellow Torontonians have to make uh, is there's also superpowers of the mayor yep. that people need to remember, yep. right? You need to look at this decision you're going to make because those superpowers are something that people didn't mind possibly under our previous mayor, but now you know, need to look at and say, hey, what does this mean to us, right? And what impact will it have on us? Yeah, who's going to yield the magic wand? <laughs> and so uh, tell you what, we're going to go to a quick break. Of course, we're going to have more with my panel here for the Real Estate Talk Triangle, Tim Serianos and Dave Butler. And by the way, if you're not following us yet on Instagram, go to 
the simple investor one. Also, by the way, a uh, new referral program going out. Yeah, that's right. If you know somebody that wants to be a real estate investor, we've got a new project out. It's really exciting. You can actually refer somebody and get a referral fee. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com, hit the referral button and just take it from there. So uh, when we come back, we've got more. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Yeah, that's amazing how fast an hour goes by. We've got one segment left of the Real Estate Talk Triangle right here on News Talk 1010. In studio with me, I've got Tim Sirianos, broker owner of Remax Ultimate and expanded Remax Ultimate and in, in, including a huge quantum division. Very, very exciting stuff. Former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board and also former director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. And then in the other corner, with the ability to work a calculator like no one else, I've got my favorite mortgage specialist. I've got Dave Butler here. Um, guys, you know, it's been kind of interesting. It's been uh, all over the map today because there's just, there, there's never a dull moment in the world of real estate. And as we continue on, I think, uh, I think there's still going to be more and more hot topics. Now, I do know the two of you you know, are kind of vacating the the country for, oh, a few weeks. So, um, you know, our next real estate talk triangle will probably have to either, you know, bring in AI, you know, <laughs> Tim and Dave, or we'll, we'll, we'll figure something else. But They might do a better uh, job than us, Dave. AI <laughs> might do better. I'm worried. <laughs> there we go. You know, the, the talking heads. Yeah, we'll see. But... Um, but if we if we take a look right now, obviously, you know, our crystal balls have just gone way out of whack. Tim, when we when we talk about numbers, we knew coming into this year it would be a slower year, obviously, than you know some previous years. But there's been this you know kind of spurts, stops, and starts in the marketplace. Is that what we're going to look at for the next six months? I do believe it's pretty accurate. It feels very much like the stop and go of the pandemic. You know. Um, you know, we're getting some, you know, some traction, some confidence. People are starting to re-enter. They feel a sense of, uh, you know, normalcy or balance. And all of a sudden there's some, you know, media headline or number that comes out, which is counter, you know, uh, productive to, you know, feeling better. Right. And uh, I do believe that going forward, it's going to be very much the same way for at least two or three months. Right. Um, you know, we, we have seen some supply of condos. I can say that now. Uh, you know, going up a little bit, but not enough to make it into a balanced or, or buyer's market. Uh, we're still not seeing enough, you know, even though the, the supply has increased in the in the resale residential side of things, we still haven't seen enough to really, you know, put a dent into you know, the, pro the problem we're having with, yep. you know, supply. Uh, but the one thing that we are definitely seeing continue through, no matter what the interest rates say, or no matter what the media says, is the cost of rental. You know, we're just seeing that market being tougher and tougher. It's not getting, it's not easing up in any way. And, uh, and that's why it's time to uh, really, you know, focus the, the guns, you know, not on the real estate resale market, but really focus it on how are we going to, you know, incentivize and build more, you know, purpose-built rentals. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really big key element is that we need more purpose-built rentals and in the meantime, um, and, and Dave, you could talk to this because you deal a lot with this part of the industry, but let's talk about the real estate investors who are landlords. You know, I, I would caution any new mayor, I would caution any politician that thinks that you come in and you start punishing landlords when it comes down to the actual dollar amount. You know, look, I'm all for fair market value on rents, but I would caution you for thinking that you can punish landlords to the point that they get into such a negative position that they can no longer hold the asset and then, you know, something catastrophic has to happen. 
Yeah, it, it sounds feels like you would cause a bigger problem, right? I mean, you know, it, it would be a problem compounded from another problem. So, um, you know, I, you know, at the end of the day, working with real estate investors, you know, we're talking to them all the time, and we're getting a lot of feedback on how things are going. And there's, there's, you know, a lot of it is, I guess, the uncertainty. You know, I, I think a lot of investors that we speak to and that we deal with are aware that investing is not just an upwards game. And we have that conversation a lot. I mean, this investing is ups and downs and you have to be able to have the psyche and the mental ability to get yourself through things like that. Um, you know, it's the long game. It is. It, it, it really, real estate shouldn't be traded. We, I mean, we've obviously, I know we've had the tagline set on the show many times before, but it's not, it's not a day trading, you know, type investment. It is long-term and, you know, we're, we're seeing some of the struggles, but I think when we talk to investors, they're like, look, I can handle this. I can handle a negative, you know, a negative cash flow for a while, but it's the uncertainty. It's the mixed messages from Bank of Canada. Hey, we're going to pause. Now we're going to raise, you know, this, this is what actually has people captivated. And, and I think we're still kind of on this COVID pandemic hangover from a media standpoint. What I mean is the media had taken us, captivated us, and we literally lived our lives there for a while, just looking at the television and, and going on social media, because that's all we could really do, right? So when we had this all this information being flowed, well, the sad thing is, is it's instead of now all the information being about COVID and the pandemic, it does seem to be about finances, housing, affordability. This is all the new stuff. And, you know, we are still to an extent tied to our phones, tied to the TV a lot because we're still on that, you know, we're still, we haven't fallen off that precipice yet. But I think over time, if we can at least get the Bank of Canada to give us, or at least anyone, any central bank, give us some type of, you know, concrete answers as to what may happen, what can happen, as opposed to the mixed messages, I think that will help not just us as homeowners or people in real estate investing, but I just think Canadians overall. Yeah. You know, there's a right way and a wrong way. There's always a right way and a wrong way. You're in the financial side. You're you're dealing with people's financing all, all the time. You understand this. But a lot of people don't really take the time to look at it in a, with a different lens. And my different lens is, where do you want to be in a year from now? You know, or where do you think you're going to be in a year from now? Now, calculate your expenses from a year from now and work your way backwards. And then now, no matter what the media headline is, you will not have a knee-jerk reaction and make the wrong decision, right? And that's the key to being captivated by media oh, or right. everything else, right? You got to look a year out maybe two, two's tough, look a year out, work your way back and say, okay, what, what would my interest or payments be in with two more rate increases? Right. And can I handle it or what do I have to adjust so I can handle it? Right. And again, uh, media, you know, and what you read, if you don't seek out a professional to get that information that you're supposed to, you're interpreting it from a different lens, which I said earlier in the show, fear is the most incompetent teacher, yeah. right? And by having that fear, you make a knee-jerk reaction and then you regret it for years where you're forced to sell, right? Look, we're seeing less housing starts. People need to understand we've dropped by 25% in housing starts this year. Yeah, that's huge. That's a compounded supply problem yep. going forward. Yep. Talking about compounding decisions, right? Mr. Mrs. You know, whatever, whoever the mayor is going to be, you know, look at, you know, the red tape, development charges. How are you going to partner and set the size? Let's get this thing fixed the right way. Yep. Yep. And and unfortunately, it's not a quick fix. And impossible. No. And three years to get approval right now. Well, yeah, three years for approval and then the build, right? And yes. so this is why I say, like, this is this is going to be, you know, multiple decades of uh, and and I truly believe, and uh, and I'll leave it on this note. I truly believe that with government intervention, there is no solution to the problem. You nailed it. 
Yeah. I've always said that. I said it when I was a Treb. I say it to every single person. You know, government intervention has unintended consequences. And they don't, it's, again, City of Toronto has been punting down the road the decisions they should have made. We could have been, you know, I don't, I don't want to say Chicago is amazing, but their waterfront decision in the 70s and 80s was a decision that council made. Toronto was at the same table thinking about their waterfronts. Chicago went forward. Look at their waterfront. Amazing. Right? Toronto didn't go forward. We're in construction in 2023. You can't even get around. And now they're talking about knocking down the gardener, yeah. right? So, I mean, they're, they're shutting down multiple streets in the city of Toronto at the same time for five years at a, five years at a time. How can a business not be crippled? Well, we've got the most amount of people there that we've ever had in the history. Of yeah. So, I mean, these are things that, you know, you're right, uh, Todd, do need to look at and, you know, it's a long-term fix, but you got to start somewhere, right? Just do it, man. Just first, yeah. for, for, first, first foot forward, right? Yeah. Agreed. Well, you know, and on that note, um, the advice, if anybody's campaigning tonight, you know, you may want to switch up your narrative. Don't make promises you can't keep because quite frankly, you should not be at the helm if that's going to be the case because you're not going to solve anything for any of us here. But hopefully we've solved a few of your questions this hour here. Uh, and once again, I do want to thank my my panelists uh, joining me every single month, as they always do. Uh, wishing you guys the best for the summer. Uh, Tim Sirianos, broker owner, Remax Ultimate, Dave Butler, the number one mortgage specialist in my eyes. And uh, I do want to thank Aiden and Omar, my producers, for keeping it simple for me every single week as they do. We got uh, Ian Grant there at head office. Don't forget, if you're not following me on Instagram, do it. I'll make sure it's worth your while. The Simple Investor One. And I want to thank you for making us the number one real estate talk show. And look forward to uh, you know talking with you next Sunday as usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.